Hello, and welcome to the Babiaga Project. The Babiaga Project is a podcast and blog that focuses on the ritualized year, folklore, and history. Lovely researched and recorded by your host, Margo and Sonia. Hi, I'm Margo. I have a master's degree in American history with a focus on indigenous studies. And I'm Sonia, and I'm doing a PhD in medieval history. This week we are talking about yes, old age, the are. elderly, senior citizens. Um, wait, before uh, we get too far into what we're doing here on the podcast, we have some news. Yes. We have news. That we forgot to tell For you three, literally in previous episodes. <laughs> wait, we have a YouTube channel, like a proper one where there's yeah, actual video so now. I know we've technically had a channel for a while but we didn't post things so now yes. there's there's content daddy made you some content um we, we have content for you on the youtube channel you can see our faces you can see us doing stuff um so it's uh focused more on the like folklore practices that you might have seen like heard about in uh some of our season one podcast so we have some stuff about new year's we have stuff about winter um in the coming weeks we're gonna have some things about ice skating and why crazy people decided to strap knives to their feet uh (laughs) makes perfect sense (laughs) to me we're gonna have some (laughs) uh some combos about eating seasonally uh when there are seemingly no plants around uh it's gonna be it's awesome we're having a bunch of fun with it um i i i don't know i like the videos i think you guys should watch them if you like what we're doing here you'll like what we're doing over there so check it out um but yeah, now for to talk about people who definitely don't watch YouTube videos, uh, old folks, let's go. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I'm going to start off this episode by defining our terms because, listen, I just celebrated my 28th birthday, so I know that in the eyes of the internet, I am basically a crone. I am decrepit. I I'm am on 30. Death's door. I've been dead for um, five years, according to the TikTokers. I mean, yeah, according to the internet. <laughs> according to the internet, we should both be like cold <laughs> in the grave by now. So I do want to define our terms here. And it actually is surprisingly a little bit more loosey goosey than yeah. you would think for a term because basically old age refers to. The age where someone is nearing or surpassing the like life what? expectancy. Oh, right? nearing or surpassing. Okay, yes. Yes, yeah, right. Because you have like your life expectancy. And that is going to differ based on like your mm-hmm. society, your culture, mm-hmm. when you're living, where you're living. And it's also like old age is not a definite like biological stage because there's right like There's chronological age that we talk about, which is like, okay, you are 50 years old, as in like you have been around the earth, around the sun (laughs) 50 times. Jules Verne. (laughs) The earth is in the middle. (laughs) 
<laughs> you've, you've gone around the earth. No. Um, so you have made your way around the sun 50 times. But there's biological age, right? Where we are talking about the aging as in like senescence, right? Like as in you, your body is no longer regenerating. You're more susceptible to disease, to assorted different like syndromes, symptoms, ill injury, illness like, than do younger anymore. adults. Yeah, exactly. So those are the two kind of things to remember, right? Is like there is the biological state right. that you are in and also right. the chronological age. So the what the actual chronological age of someone who is old right. age okay. really varies from place to place, right? Like most like you know, quote unquote, developed wealthy countries set that age of like, you're old at 60 to 65-ish because that's like our retirement age where we stop thinking of you as like middle-aged working adult and start thinking of you as like, you're an old person now. You like play bingo. I knit. knit. Oh, right. Also, I'm already an old person we established. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Um, however, like, there are other countries and other societies where, like, people can start seeing you as, like, old age, like, in your, like, 40s or 50s, depending on where you are. Um, like, so for, for one example, the United Nations considers old age to start at 60 years old. So when they are talking about, um, you know, when, when they are talking about, like, the elderly as a group, they are talking about anyone 60 and older. However, if you look at, say, the World Health Organization, they have set the beginning of old age in sub-Saharan Africa at 50. Um, because there is this kind of lowered threshold because there's a, a different way of thinking about aging. And, right, like in richer countries, you've probably had better access to, like, You've probably had better nutrition. You've had better health care. You've probably had to do less, like, strenuous yeah. labor. So you are still able to, like... Like, most people in the, like, developed world are doing pretty well physically in yeah. at, like, 60, right? Versus, like, yes, for a lot of people in sub-Saharan Africa, like, around 50, you might start to be... Cons like, you would be considered elderly, basically, because you have had to do so much more physical labor, had to do so much more, like, like probably have been exposed to more, like, stressors, basically, with less, um, like, recourse to, like, the, the medical care that would be available to you if you lived somewhere yeah. in a wealthier country, basically. That's depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But now that we've defined what we're talking about with old age, I'm going to give you the <laughs> history of old age. In the pre-modern world. So as we've discussed before, people in, you know, in history did not all die at 35 just because, you know, average lifespan was 35. That was really dragged down by a yeah. high infant mortality rate. And if you survive childhood, many people lived into their 60s, 70s. Some people could even live into their 80s and 90s. Um, and historical, like historically there is, there has basically been a like, 
back and forth and like a lot of different ideas about what exactly mm -hmm. aging would look like and most societies there was going to be kind of a mixed picture of what being old meant and what that looked like yeah. for you right because like on one hand yes often in traditional societies old age could give you like position and status of like you are like one of the elders of the community like we turn to you for wisdom for guidance for um you know for for advice um and in in a lot of cases sure people were treated well by society cared for by their families however Historically, there was also antagonism towards older people. There was mistreatment of them. They were disrespected. They were dishonored. Like, it really is context dependent. Yeah. Um, and, like, it would really have mattered based on things like how capable you were of, like, quote unquote, contributing to society. Um, so, like, basically, the more frail you became like probably like you would lose status in a right. lot of instances or you know if like older men tend to get more respect than older women because like <laughs> sexism and misogyny would have thunk <laughs> wow but you know and I think there's also right the idea of okay there's a difference between like older person who's still like able to like enjoy life and like have a good time but the older that like once you are reaching the like old old age yeah. where like you know your body is starting to basically fall apart a little bit um you know it it is described mm. much more negatively right so allegedly the first man to talk about old age was an Egyptian scribe who lived 4,500 years ago. And it was written down in a lament, which is, quote, O sovereign, my lord, oldness has come, old age has descended, feebleness has arrived, dotage is here anew, the heart sleeps wearily every day. The eyes are weak, the ears are deaf, the strength is disappearing because of weariness of the heart, and the mouth is silent and cannot speak. The heart is forgetful and cannot recall yesterday. The bone suffers old age. Good has become evil. All taste is gone. What old age does to men is evil in every respect. That's a lot. So There's a lot basically, going on there. It's basically someone like... It, 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 there's a lot going on, but it is this very yeah. poignant piece of someone, you know, 4,500 years ago, writing what a lot of people feel today as they feel their bodies... Yeah you know, not working the way that they want them to and not working the way that they are used to. And I, I think it is worth keeping in mind that, like, again, I think we tend to see people as, you know, oh, like, there's nothing that we could relate to. Like, it's this fundamentally different society, which, yeah. like, it is. But there are also these, like, continuities where, like, this is something that human beings have been dealing with for thousands and thousands of years yeah. where we're like, yeah, it, it kind of, this, <laughs> this kind of sucks how my body stops <laughs> recovering itself, stops, you know, healing itself the way mm -hmm. I want it to. Yeah. And 
basically, I mean, we see this in the classical era as well as we move into like Mm -hmm. the Greco-Roman period and ideas where, you know, on one hand, older people could be seen as like, yes, of course, like wise and good counsel, good advisors. But there was also this kind of like fear of aging and fear of what that can do to you. And there was, you know, this idea of, you know, once you start getting into like proper old age that like, it's basically going to be this horrible time of being like decrepit and, you know, it, it, you know, this, this like slow breaking down of someone who used to be able to, you know, get out and about and, yeah, you know, do stuff. <laughs> um, as we get into the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, um, you know, this quite negative view towards aging persists. Um, and again, I think we have to remember, like, particularly as we get into the Middle Ages in Western Europe, because we do start to see, as we've talked about before, um, the idea of separating out at marriage and starting up your own home. Because prior to this, it was quite normal through Europe and like in many places Mm -hmm. just in general um, to have multi-generational households. So, you know, you could be an old person in the classical world or even in parts of the Middle Ages where you would be living with your, realistically, your sons, their wives and their children. So your grandchildren and like that could be part of what you are doing. And that was like a pretty normalized role would be that you live there and you take care of the grandchildren or like contribute to their care what you can and like supervise them, that kind of thing. But as we start seeing more so the idea that, you know, a family should start with a husband and wife who are, you know, having a home together that's the two of them and their children... Um, you know, that obviously breaks down for a lot of, um, like a lot of older people. So, you know, it's kind of this, like the idea of aging being like not super great is already there, but it's also like, you're kind of losing a little bit of that safety net, I guess, that had been there previously for you. Um, So I do have to say, uh, once again, like on one hand, even like through the middle ages, a lot of the time, older people were not pushed to the margins of society, like in the same way that we would think of in, in a lot of cases, what happens today. Um, just because even if you weren't living in Mm -hmm. with your, your children and grandchildren, like realistically you would be living somewhat nearby and there was this idea of like a broader kind of family kinship network so you know you as an older person would like take like help out maybe taking care of the grandkids and they would take care of your needs because you're maybe needing more help around your home with like the harder labor because you can't like do that because you don't have that strength anymore right so there is this reciprocal relationship being maintained even when people start moving into separate homes Mm -hmm. um 
However, there was also um, throughout medieval Europe, right, like hospitals essentially provided kind of an early form of hospice care slash retirement home, yeah. if that makes sense. Because essentially a lot of the time what would happen was, like, it wasn't a hospital as we think of it now. Like, hospitals as we think of it now is a place where you go to get better. Um, not really not really a thing until, like, the 19th century. Hmm. Um, prior to that, hospital was more so right. hospice care. It was like, you know, like, you would have a leper hospital, yeah. right? Like, where, okay, if you have leprosy, like... We know you're going to die and there is nothing we can do to like not have you die from leprosy, but like we will try to keep you as like comfortable and well cared for yeah. as possible. Um, and it was the same in like, you know, kind of general hospitals as well, where you would take in people who, you know, I don't have anywhere else to go. I'm old, I'm chronically ill, I'm too frail at this point to care for myself, and you can be admitted there. You could also essentially join a hospital, which would have been run by monks and nuns, um, as an older person who maybe can't fully take care of themselves, but you are still able to contribute mm -hmm. somewhat, like you're not completely bedridden. So basically that was sort of the retirement home aspect of it where it's like okay like you are not going to have to like chop all your own wood and like haul your own water and do like all these like heavy tasks that you can't do anymore because you are like an old lady but like maybe you can help like darn mm. the clothing or like you know help out with cooking in the kitchen and that was like you know sort of the social safety net slash community like it was another aspect of caring for the elderly that people could do even if they maybe never had children or if their children had died if they lived far away mm -hmm. like that kind of thing right however old age in the middle ages was often seen as like a foretaste of hell <laughs> because like the aging process itself, like not necessarily looking at elderly people as bad, mm -hmm. right? Like it wasn't that, but it was looking at the, the state of aging and saying like, ah, yes, like this is, you know, part of like, this is the, the transience of earthly pleasure because like you have lived your life and like you had the joys of <laughs> now youth it's over and now you are nearing your end you know things are getting bad and like this is you know remember that life is fleeting and you will die which hell. like i mean <laughs> <laughs> okay, Margot, this is the Middle Ages. Everything's morbid as hell. <laughs> you heard of the plague? <laughs> Have I heard of a plague? <laughs> I'm just saying, they painted dancing skeletons everywhere and were like, Memento Mori, always remember that death could come for you at any moment. Because, like, yeah. th that, they weren't wrong. They were, they're absolutely correct. Pretty much. So, you know. I just got... Think about that. I just got boosted, and that almost killed me. 
so I have to look death in the eye. <sighs> yeah, I have not gotten the boosty yet, but that's I will be getting it soon. Looking forward to it. <laughs> it's okay. I don't I don't leave my house. It's fine that I haven't gotten gotten the shot yet. Got to wait till we're we're back in the land of freedom. <laughs> um anyway, but now I did want to get into where we reach a point where we start getting this much more like negative view, not just towards aging, but towards the aged. Mm-hmm. Um, and unsurprisingly, you know, it really does. It comes about in the 16th century when like everything is just being turned upside down and closure is happening. Poverty's rampant. Things are bad. Yeah. Um, and it's particularly bad to be an old person if you're like in a place where basically right like there there were a lot of places where you still have this older like um like you have places where the idea of like caring for the elderly mm-hmm. and like living with them that kind of thing has already long since become like not not so much of a thing right like multi-generational houses haven't been a thing for a long time right um and then adding to that that 16th century you know a lot of for a lot of the hospitals get shut down so because you know they're run by the monks and nuns. And if you're a Protestant country, you don't want monks and nuns. So those get shut down. Uh, and, you know, a lot of the time, there's just nowhere for, like, old... Like, el- like if you're an elderly person and you don't have family to care for you, like, you're kind of out of luck. Especially if you don't have piles of money where you can, like, pay for a bunch of servants and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, basically... Being old and poor is never, like, a great situation. But being old and poor in the 16th century, (laughs) particularly in, like, you know, Western Europe, super duper not great. Um, You could maybe, like, try a workhouse or a debtor's... I don't know. Those have not been made yet. But the kind of precursor of... There are, like, some things that come into play, like, Mm -hmm. poor laws, right? But, like, a lot of people don't qualify for that. It's very... It's kind of um, up in in the air with that one. So, you know, you could really find yourself being quite desperate. Um, And, of course, like, we know that uh, in a lot of cases, right, like witches and witch hunts did sometimes target older women because they were seen as like useless to society right um and basically what happens is you start getting this idea of like not only is aging bad but aged people are bad and are not good for society and we see this in a lot of, uh, like, like we see this in the utopians, right? So we have 
uh, both Thomas More and again not to not to just put this on Protestant nations because Antonio de Guevara, who was Spanish, which is very Catholic, also in his utopian um, writings, both took very very dim views of uh, like the elderly. So if you look at Thomas More's Utopia. Mm-hmm. On the island of Utopia, when people are so old that they have, quote, outlived themselves or are terminally ill and pain, mm-hmm. etc., uh, then they are supposed to just choose to die. And the priests in Utopia assure the elderly that, quote, they shall be happy after death. How do you do... So... Okay. They they are supposed to die by starvation or by taking opium. So like you you have two oh, options. Okay. Because I was just so wondering you just like, either... how do you how do you do that without because this is a is this still this would still be in a framework where like suicide is a, a mortal sin, right? Like. Um. How... Y- yes. And. So how do you kill yourself? without going to hell it's basically the issue is right like suicide is a mortal sin but i think in the way that the utopians which is guevara and more are talking about it they are basically seeing this as euthanasia if that makes sense rather than Right, like, the idea of, I, this is, like, very grim to talk about, but basically, okay, the idea of suicide being a sin is, like, you are a person who is alive, you have been given the gift of life, Uh and if you kill yourself like right. you are basically committing murder against yourself okay, and you're gonna die anyway then it doesn't, yeah okay yeah okay okay if gotcha, you are gotcha. just prolonging your life then it's okay to just like speed up the process okay, a bit okay in in their writings i am not saying that that is <laughs> um Sonia euthanasia is wants all old people <laughs> no <laughs> um euthanasia is still um you know adamantly opposed by uh you know like that yeah that that is still adamantly opposed by the catholic church by a lot of other christian denominations like yeah no it's it's not that it wasn't like seen as sinful but that's like how the utopian writers are seeing it yeah yeah i mean i was asking it like specifically about in this instance yeah how, how yeah. more is yeah. like in, the, in this that. instance yeah, also, that's like, my those understanding. Are kind of, like, at least, is they're justified. Like, I would much rather oh. do the Atastrup. What is that one? <laughs> it's like in the Viking culture, where like if you're oh, really old, you go okay. Like you go up and jump off a cliff. Um, okay, but if you wanted a more dramatic one, we do have to go to very, very Catholic, very, very dramatic Spain because I have the one for you. So in Antonio de Guevara's Utopian Nation. Quote, they had a custom not to live longer than 65 years, and at that age they practiced self-immolation. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> it, well, it's because uh, it's 
And this was written by a bishop in the 16th century. Like, Antonio de Guevara was a bishop. Uh And he called this a golden world in which people have overcome the natural appetite to desire to live longer than, like, they are supposed to, quote-unquote. Which, like, again, this is not me endorsing this (laughs) message. This is me saying, like, 16th century. all people over the age of 65... (laughs) set yourself on fire (laughs) yes that's definitely my stance on that no my stance is that every single human life is precious and that we should not force old people to self-immolate well yeah and i also like if we're going to get into political views like i do even like have my reservations about euthanasia because Mm -hmm. like a lot of the time like that that is a huge concern like in in terms of like the mistreatment basically of both elderly and disabled people yeah it's like this question of who's actually getting to choose what kind of pressure you put under to choose this like yeah is like obviously i'm not an expert on any of this but like i would I, i do think that sometimes we have these like like that, there's just these like no nuance takes where it's either like absolutely not, never ever ever can someone choose to end their own life, but then you also have the other side where it's like we should just legalize this and like have it be done with. And I'm like, <laughs> just like everyone maybe... gets to, just regardless yeah. of the situation, no matter what, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I just I don't think that that's great. Like I don't <laughs> think that that's a great idea. I don't. Th- I think we would need to really look into the like ethics of a lot of this (laughs) um but yeah so i mean i think we start really seeing like the 16th century you do start seeing a bit more of a shift in terms of like right like the idea of like okay aging sucks but like we are going to take care of you and like try to let you live out your days in dignity and then 16th century you start getting more the idea of like, well, once you become a burden, quote unquote, to society, you should just set yourself on fire. <laughs> like in both Catholic and Protestant nations, um, as we see here. Mm-hmm. And the, I mean, the, it, it's capitalism. It's capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what yeah. it is. So I, that's that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, it's you probably were having a rougher time of aging if you lived somewhere where you didn't have like hospice care, but right. 16th century was just really rough because it was like the early stages of like colonial imperialist capitalism starting out mm-hmm. and then like yeah, if you were like an old frail vulnerable person like that's too bad. You're not being productive there, bud. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, well, so I don't know if it's like, it's like definitely like proto-capitalism, because like. Well, yeah, like it's not industrial capitalism yet, but like the idea, I'm saying this is like the the beta, beta capitalism, you know, the the early over people's lives. Yeah, and also, I mean, this is when we are throughout Europe, seeing a lot of like enclosures, seeing a lot of people being. You know, people being removed from the means of production, um, production ramping up, etc. All right. Now that we have talked about Europe and 
the depressing stuff going on there, why don't you tell me about depressing things across across the pond? Or non-depressing things, even. That'd be great. Um, yeah, okay. Well, so, so yeah. So, why don't we start, I guess, uh, we can... S- right? <laughs> At who would have thought that Utopia would have been so depressing? Um... <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, I can give a sort of, like, refresher on uh, colonial North America, because that's, like, really going to be the depressing part of this, um, where, like, aging is very different if you're a man versus if you're a woman. If you're a man, essentially, you just become more senior in the church. Again, this is talking about specifically, like, where I look at North America. So, uh, like, the New England kind of uh english colonies area um and right so like men they just they were dudes and uh they didn't always actually live super long uh which is why you have this problem for old women right because women were less likely to i don't know be crushed by falling trees or do something just like in general men tend to die younger and i'm not totally convinced it's just because their bodies aren't as good I mean, if we if we want if we want me to put on my biologist stuff. hat for a minute yeah like women are <laughs> designed to age better like in terms of like phys like yeah like we have this concept of like oh well men age better because no, they get like, like oh, cool. fewer wrinkles or whatever um, but no, like men are just allowed to physically age, um, in society. Um, whereas, yeah, if, if you're talking about actual, like, longevity, um, if I'm look, like, there are right. things that are more, uh, more of an issue for biologically, like, female people. Um, so things like osteoporosis can be more of an issue because you've had higher levels of estrogen, but if I'm remembering correctly, it is things like, um, mm-hmm. if you're looking mm-hmm. right at fat distribution, like, um, typically like for like men are at mm-hmm. higher risks for things like, um, like heart disease, heart attacks, all that kind of stuff, because women tend to store fat in like the hips and right. thighs. And like in that area, it's less like bad for your health basically. Yeah. Um, and there, there is like this whole, um, idea that, um, part of, part of that is that humans might've evolved so that like, that that's like part of why humans are like the only mammals who go through actual menopause because most mammals will like continue to be fertile for their whole lives. Um, whereas for women it was like, oh, okay. Like you're Mm -hmm. going to stop being fertile, but you will still live long enough that you can raise whatever would have been your like last child that you'd have say around like if you had a child at like 40 45 you will live long enough to like care for that child anyway yeah. that's just a fun little biological fun fact yeah um so i mean like to sort of get off of like the way that i was going to break this down i can talk for just a second about like uh in indigenous societies and why uh we did mention in a previous episode that in a lot of like at least eastern uh indigenous north american societies um 
first children born to a couple or to a woman yes. would probably not actually oh. be primarily raised by that couple or a woman. It would be raised by the grandmother. And this is so that like people, right, the yep. grandmother is still young enough to be dealing with like baby babies um, and handling like babies um, while the parents then can work on like number one like getting used to having a sort of life together like their changed yep. status in the community and also like having more efficiency children. um it's just a way to like keep everyone from being like overwhelmed anyway but back to yes uh back to uh old women in colonial north america right so women do go through menopause um and this idea that you had talked about in europe of sort of like productivity being vitally important in this period especially in like this in this puritan state um women were seen as sort of only having one yeah. job or contribution to society which was to produce children um theoretically to raise the children and introduce them to the church but that could always be yeah. done by a father or whoever, <laughs> you know. It, uh, so women were not particularly valued for anything other than um, immediately becoming a wife and then producing children for that man. And, like, this is obviously, like, a simplification. Um, I'm sure if you talked to an actual 16th century Puritan... 17th sorry 17th century puritan they would have like a yeah. lot more to say about it but fundamentally that's what we're talking about um and so then old like quote-unquote old women who could not have children um especially those who were not being actively cared for or integrated into a family unit by their sons um didn't have a a position in society or within the church right because the church is uh based right. on this like familial model um and if you're not part of that like yeah. productive family unit then what is the point of view so uh much like when we talked about salem and this influx of young women and widows um, who were in precarious positions in society. If you guys remember, right, uh, the wars with the indigenous peoples of the um, mid to late 17th century going into the early 18th century um, killed a lot of people, especially men, and created this influx into yes. the village and town of Salem. Um, those are two different places, uh, of young women, but also uh, created a lot of widows who inherited businesses. Um, so these were situations, this this created essentially a situation where there were a lot of young women who did not necessarily have the prospects to marry. They no longer had families to provide dowries for them. Um, they might be widows who inherited a business who doesn't don't want to give up that business to any of the few men who are left in in terms of like remarrying um anyway they were they were not viewed as participating in society in the way that a woman should uh and so they were viewed as witches um old women were also specifically those which is 
unfortunately rather common, uh, but old women who were not being integrated into society by their sons um, were seen as living outside of this very narrow idea of what is womanly. Um, So, right, they're no longer quote-unquote productive um, in that they're not producing children, um, and they were also usually poor. Women in the society did struggled to provide for themselves if they were not in that unique position of inheriting an established business Um, again that though was dangerous because it drew attention to you as being unwomanly unchristian all of these things Um, and so they were usually sort of pushed to the margins of society their poverty and their uh, lack of a status as an active mother in the church sort of pushed them to the margins of whatever town or village that they lived in. And um, since they obviously couldn't be running their own farms, um, as ways to stay afloat, they would often use their the knowledge that they have that like all women were sort of cultivating at this time as healers to provide tinctures and potions to the younger people of a town and also to like look after young women. Of, of course, um, dealing with herbs and healing and anything that has to do with other women who uh, mayhaps were not obeying as strictly as they should have been the like sexual mores of the period um had them be viewed as witches regardless of whether or not they were actually doing anything that they were accused of um they were often viewed as witches and some of them uh, i do think we talked about this in the witch episode uh, where i talked about salem and the other witch trials of um early modern new england uh some of the women were just like screw it yes i am a witch because if there wasn't an active witch trial going on yeah it was unlikely that they would be punished for it they would just continue to be ostracized but it would provide them power and protection from the people of the town who might otherwise like taunt them or try and hurt them for whatever reason you know teenage boys right it would protect them from teenage boys (laughs) so they would be like yeah i'm a witch and if you do anything to me um i will make your penis shrivel up and fall off like that kind of thing um of course, then when hysterias moved through the town and like these witch trials did start, they were then um, hanged or crushed or any of the other myriad of things that happened. Um, in indigenous North America, there's a very different idea of what it meant to be a member of society and to be a productive member of that society. So it yeah. doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what you are physically producing. <laughs> Um, and also at a a sort of fundamental level, right? These are matriarchal societies. Um, so, uh, I'm going to start off talking about women. Then we're going to talk a little bit about men and then just sort of like overarching. Um, and then that will be that on that space. So, um, in, uh, the, five later six nations the Haudenosaunee um essentially how these societies were set up was um you had a matriarch um this was the clan mother so each of the clans that may or may not there may or may not be multiple in a village or community or or nation space um 
the there would be a matriarch for each of those clans or longhouses, um, and she was sort of like essentially right. the the functional head of the community or nation, a holder of knowledge. Um, as we have talked about before, women held a lot of power in indigenous societies. Um, in the Haudenosaunee space, the clan mothers, or if there is only one kind, the clan mother, uh, chose the quote-unquote chief, uh, the male speaker of the clan. Um, and men and women sort of operated in sort of different spheres so essentially what this yeah there's a bunch of different words depending on the language that's why i'm just using chief and clan mother the the chief uh person or like in the hudson valley they're called sachems um he would be uh, the person who represented that community to other like nations and or communities right um, that was like the external facing person. Um, and they would be chosen by the women's council, which would be made up of primarily the clan mothers or in some of these nations or communities would be just chosen straight up by the clan mother. Um, again, there's less stress on physical production in these communities. And so people were allowed to age into wisdom, especially women. It was um, really important for a a woman who was going to be making decisions for the society to be someone who had lived, right? She had, um, like, seen births and deaths and harvest and all these things. Um, So the elder matriarch would be in charge of um, the general food production and storage plans. Um, Even if she was not physically able to take part in the planting herself, she would also oversee childcare, who was um, responsible for what in terms of childcare, because a lot of child rearing was done sort of collectively among um, the women and sometimes younger men of these societies also naming rituals um she would also be she would often be in charge of (laughs) giving initial names to children um to babies uh and also like ceremonies and stuff could not begin without clan mothers being present and sort of calling the ceremonies into like action or whatever um and she could overrule and displace the male leaders that they had like selected um if they had not proven to be responsible leaders she could come in and be like nah don't like it anymore yeah uh vote of no confidence you're out (laughs) um and then like sort of in general right we've we've sort of established that in previous episodes at least that um women and women's councils were for the most part obviously these things sort of overlap and are wiggly uh for the most part were in charge of the things that were dealing with what was happening within the community and the the men of the society were dealing with like external stuff so like a hunting which involved leaving the community for long periods of time um we can go into why hunting was seen as this like high skilled, high valued thing in North America versus 
in this at the same time in Europe where it sure. was sport and sort of looked down on compared to farming. We can talk about that at some point in time if you want to. But um, uh, they were right. It was in charge of hunt when they were going to hunt where they were going to hunt, um, and also like war and diplomacy. Um, again, these things are sort of checked by each other, and in terms of like checking each other, uh, the basic idea of how these councils were supposed to work was that older people in general were the leaders of these societies because young people were considered rash and young men in particular were considered violent um but basically there is supposed to be like a balancing act in the society between the cool heads of the elders and the rash young folks so the whole nation is essentially like sort of conceived of as like a person or entity in and of itself and decisions can only be reached when the emotions of that entity right the whole council are in balance um so if something happens and the men men's council is trying to decide whether or not it should go to war the young men will advocate for to varying degrees depending on how much they actually want it to happen um they'll advocate for going to war right um they'll play out that sure part. yeah if they don't actually believe it they'll just do it sort of like eh. yeah. <laughs> like hearing um, out but it's it, it, it it's yeah. like this important part of like creating that balance yeah hearing out both sides um and the older men will say you know we need to find a diplomatic solution we need to wait and slow down um and this will play out in a rhetorical discussion like until a decision is made um but right you need both sides to be sort of aired so that number one everybody in the community feels seen because you don't know what everybody is feeling um and also just to like make sure that you fully examined the whole uh like potential outcomes and stuff and so then ultimately the older parties do have the authority of the council but because I, I think we've talked about uh, other times, right, that these are not compulsive governments. You can't compel an individual to action. So you can't force anybody go- to go to mm-hmm. war. You can't force anybody to stay home. You can't force any one individual to do anything. Um, the young men can and sometimes do just do what they want. So if they really, yeah. really want to go Makes to sense. war, they will just go and attack the village, right? Um, and then what will, that does is sort of force the older men of both communities into a diplomatic situation um, where they are brought together by the rash actions of their youths and they have to work out a solution. And sometimes that solution is just straight up going to war. Um, Sometimes they're able to just like come to some sort of diplomatic solution earlier and and easier than they might have otherwise. Um, And again, sometimes all of these decisions by young men and old men are just completely overruled by clan mothers. My favorite version of that is um, there's a story uh, about the a a lower Cherokee community being the men all being like real upset about something that a neighbor is doing. Um, And they're like, we have to go to war. We have to like, you know go fight them like this is unconscionable they shouldn't be able to do this to us all of this stuff and the women were like you are being insane and so they were like we're going to set up this raiding party we're going to surprise them in the night 
and the women just like left and went and told the women of the other village that like yo our you men don't lost their minds so they just picked up and moved and when they got there for their yeah. party there was no one there and that was seen as like totally valid actions right all of that was respected because it was like the clan mothers went out and were like no you don't get to do that um and again, also, like, if stuff like that happens too many times, the clan mothers can go in and be like, yeah. we're the ones who are letting you have this council in the first place. If you don't behave yourselves, we're going to, yeah, that makes like, sense. we're going to change who is in charge of this. Um, and again, the, the women who are, like, on the actual women's council are going to be women who have aged like I said before, the women who have wisdom of seeing births and deaths and harvest, who know sort of what goes into all of that, what goes into um, raising a child of that culture, um, and like how families operate, and you know, somebody who has lived a, a life in these communities also has like a knowledge of the environment that they live in the communities that are around theirs the histories that you know might be influencing how the communities around them are acting right somebody who knows all of those things um but uh each individual in these sort of discussions is respected and can bring wisdom to a discussion so like the younger people or sometimes even children can like be seen as sources of wisdom but the weight of knowledge is important in this world so like there right. is more weight given to um an elder because yeah. makes sense that you've been around like, they you, know, you know how it goes know what's up right like they know <laughs> yeah yeah and that it's seen that you're not going to be as quick to make a decision again right it's not going to be a rash emotional decision it's going to be something like taken yeah. from sitting back for a minute and thinking about it so that's sort of how that's viewed so again like it's th people who are older are fully integrated if not the very center of the society at least in terms of like making decisions um i think the the way that uh, at least right. the Haudenosaunee talk about their society, like children are the heart of it, but I think like the the decision making yeah. center of these societies is really the the older folks. Yeah, um, and so there aren't like just like sad old ladies having to say that they have supernatural powers to yeah, keep I feel like that's teenagers solid, from throwing rocks at them. Solid which plan, which I think is good. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that's sort of what's going on like i mean obviously we know how uh we can i mean also talk about like more modern ideas of in like the colonial world how old people have sort of been treated uh we have social security now Theoretically, we might continue to have Social Security, but in the 1930s, the Social Security was proposed as a way to get 
I mean, initially to get old people, like people who were over the age of 65 out of manual labor jobs to make sure that uh, the youths and the people with families had jobs during the Depression. But it was also uh, the people who the older people who received Social Security were the first generation in the United States of elderly citizens where a majority of them did not die in poverty um (laughs) americans historically have not cared uh for the elderly in their communities um and have not set up a society that allows for um yeah children to care for and support their aging parents Um, We just haven't done it. And so when they were building uh, the sort of like governmental, governmentally subsidized social safety nets of the New Deal, um, one of the most influential was Social Security, which essentially protects an entire generation that cannot work for themselves. Um, Which, I mean, is now we call them entitlement. That's that's what entitlement is. It's. It's something you are entitled <laughs> to. It's it's a thing that you just get. That's that's what that means. It's a thing that you just deserve. <laughs> yeah, but you I shouldn't get anything you don't do work nonsense. for. Duh. Had asbestos. It's your in own it. fault that you worked in a factory that you know. Yeah, or just that you worked in a factory and had to do literal manual labor, and now you're 65, and your joints are worn out, and you need to just be able to sit in a rocking chair on a porch and drink iced tea for the rest of your days and be chill and happy, and you should get enough money to provide for that, but I don't know. I'm a crazy person, apparently. I mean, I will say, maybe things will get better. Like, I have seen those (laughs) things where it's um, combinate. Okay, I think that this is really smart in our modern society because you know we if if we're gonna live in a society where like you know families can't just like care for each other i do have to say i think the next best thing might be combination old age care home with preschool have you seen those videos it's so sweet because it's basically like all of these elderly people get to be these uh, surrogate yeah, grandparents to young children <laughs> and they like do puzzles together and it's very sweet and they tell yeah. the kids stories and the kids get to be like I have all these friends now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cuz I mean and that's the other thing is that yeah. right the in- industrial age really segregated people generationally and we t- are rediscovering the fact that uh, human brains were developed to, like, we evolved to develop and age in a community of, like, multi-generational families. And so, like, being near one developing and aging, being near people who are older than you helps with that it helps you see perspectives and empathize and learn histories and like develop the neural pathways that you need for that but also when you are aging and a lot of those processes are slowing being around children and youths helps maintain your ability to continue to learn and maintain your neural pathways so you're less likely to suffer yeah from, like mental uh, degeneration like 
the mental uh the the brain the brain yeah the brain diseases of old age like dementia or alzheimer's um even if you do develop them it will be a slower progression if you are around children a lot so like maybe we should just like think that like maybe people in the past who just had communities that supported each other yeah i just that's a scientifically viable thing to do the fact that it's like common sense (laughs) like it's common sense to the point where people like it like we done know like we've been knowing that like oh if you have like an old cat or an old dog like it's really good to like bring a puppy or kitten into the house because it like helps them like be energized and like it helps the baby yeah like yeah learn how to be a good cat or dog and then we're like wait so we can apply this to people learn how to be a cat (laughs) yes yes Things that we have, things that have been Again, known, and we've that just we've been doing, and like no, let's <laughs> segregate people by age forever. <laughs> Don't like. Yep. Yeah, and only value them based on productivity. But uh, I just okay. Like I really like life right now yes i love uh i really like having televisions i think that's great um, that's definitely like I in like, the top uh, top five access to nice antibiotics um, <laughs> i think electricity is like a, a really cool thing to have i really like heating my house with hydroelectric power um i really hate a lot of other things about modern society uh the way that we value people the way that we think about work uh the just so so many things make me really angry and i don't want to be sitting here like we should just go back to like like, anarcho-primitivists setups for societies (laughs) and we should all live in like one one big like house people beyond no, what they can physically like, contribute <laughs> in society we yeah well really monetarily i guess yeah. not even physically nowadays and also you make so much money like, just like working yeah. with pretend numbers yeah. so much money <laughs> you're not contributing anything <laughs> no um anyway anyway if you guys want to see so that's old people (laughs) that's old people (laughs) um no but uh yeah so i i don't know that's what i have to say about old people uh and being old in the past um but also if uh if you guys are interested in some of the things that we do in terms of like historical rituals and life ways in a modern life um you can check that out on our new youtube channel uh we have some super cool little things on there and you can see how we make stuff and what we are currently doing in our lives um so give us some comments i guess 
like and subscribe also again with the podcast like and subscribe or with your enemies and share we're not fussy about who you share it with Um, Yeah, I mean, anyone who you think uh, needs to hear some of the stuff that we're talking about or would like to engage with it or whatever. All right, we'll see you next time. I guess. Thank you for listening to the Baba Yaga Project. And as always, thank you to all our patrons for making this project possible. Please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and on our website for the most up-to-date happenings. Also, please consider supporting us on Patreon. It really helps us continue the project and expand in some really exciting ways. There's also Patreon exclusive merch and content. And we'll see you next week.